Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hola, Chula. It's me, Dalida. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Your Latina Nutrition. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. We are dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for a community, tools to ditch the diet, help with finding authentic health and keeping your culture alive, join my membership brought to you by today's sponsor, me. All right, everyone. So we are here to talk about the number one, if not maybe... Well, I would say number one. I'm going to go with number one. I feel one. like we call them all number one. Like I, we're I, You know what? Like, that's why I like stuttered. Like I stopped and paused and I was like, wait, I feel like I've said yep. this in every one of them. But we totally have like a Swiss cheese memory on our favorite principles. We're like, oh no, no, this one's my favorite. Like the love is deep. It is, it is, is deep. But I think, But I think we do get this as the biggest one that people ask us about. Like literally the one that everybody wants to talk about is this emotional eating one, right? And so- well, well, yeah, because like, I think it's it's not, so when we teach about like the binge restrict cycle, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of the other principles address the dieting stuff, but emotional yeah. eating is sort of, it's it relates, but it's kind of a yeah. separate thing. So that's yeah. Really yeah. why a lot of people get confused. Yeah. And a lot of people just have no idea what actually emotional eating is or what binge eating is. And, you know, this is what this, you know, conversation is going to be all about. But I think that it's important to understand, right, that like in the previous editions of intuitive eating the book you know our favorite people the lovely authors you know evelyn and elise decided that the previous name for this chapter felt a little too judgmental and we need to talk about this right we are constantly talking about how we grow we evolve we learn and these ladies are literally showing this to us as they put out different editions of intuitive eating because the more that we practice it the more that we live on this journey, the more that we learn and we are allowed <laughs> to change language. We are allowed to change what we used to do. We are allowed to create new neural paths and new ways of thinking, right? And so they renamed this chapter in this fourth edition because they felt that the previous name, which was dealing with emotions with and without food, felt too judgmental. And so they changed it to dealing with emotions with kindness, right? Yeah. Or coping with kindness, which I feel like definitely sounds better, but like we have definitely used, you know, dealing with emotions with and without food previously in the past because it, it, you have to do that. But in a sense, it really does feel a little judgmental. Like food doesn't belong in there when it does 100% belong in there. 
a lot of weight loss programs do address emotional eating. And yeah. that's why I think that language shift yeah. was so important. Many clients I've worked with like in past programs or whatever, past dietitians, when they were trying to lose weight, did tackle mm-hmm. this. I yeah. actually talked to somebody yesterday who had done cognitive behavioral therapy Ooh, for yeah. emotional eating in the weight loss world. And she's like, it works to a point, but then at the end of the day, I can only use that coping to a certain degree or it's judged as bad or mm-hmm. so this conversation I'm hoping can help like wriggle some of the tension out of emotional eating work people have done in the past so that they yeah. can actually get the full relief. Yes. So we want to emphasize, <laughs> emphasize that emotional eating is natural. It's normal. Cool. And yeah, we just have to understand that it's part of what makes us human. <laughs> this is why we are human. Our brains, we have these different parts of our brain and eating brings us comfort. And when we have these strong emotions, we have food connection and we use it to comfort. And there is nothing wrong with this. So Melissa, how do you usually kind of like discuss this with your client? Usually it comes up from some sort of scenario. Like clients might say to me, like, you know, I had this thing happy the other day and maybe they were working with hunger and fullness. And they noticed that like, oh, I was actually full and I kept eating. Hmm. So usually there's some sort of scenario that makes them feel uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. one of the first things I like to talk about is trying to label what the emotion itself was because we need to be able to, if we don't know with what we're working then we don't know what coping skills might make sense. Look, like when I'm angry, there might be certain ways I like to address that feeling that are different than when I'm bored or pissed or sad, not pissed off. That's the same as Mm -hmm. angry. I guess we're just feeling angry today. (laughs) We have our own feelings going on today. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, like I, I think that labeling your emotion first and foremost is super, super key. And it's really cool to link that back to body awareness because we can feel emotions in our bodies. So if you can start to tell the difference between like, oh, when my chest gets tight, that's anxiety versus like when my mind's racing or um, I'm preoccupied, maybe that's anxiety. You can start to understand what these emotions are as as a starting point. Yeah. 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 So I think that for sure we need to kind of like dive in and talk about this because you know <laughs> that the trolls come after me all the freaking time when I talk about this. So I think that one of the things I want to focus on is like binge eating versus emotional eating. How would you differentiate what binge eating is versus emotional eating? So binge eating has a specific definition. Um, mm-hmm. when we look at the DSM or mental health criteria. Mm-hmm. And usually it's characterized by eating a quote, larger than usual yeah. quantity of food <laughs> in a certain period of time. There's a lot of criticism about what that definition really truly means. And if it matters, mm-hmm. ultimately, I think of binge eating as any time you experience loss of control Mm-hmm. It feels mm-hmm. like you can't interrupt it. And binge eating is typically driven by either mental restriction or like we talked about in the hunger episode, primal hunger which means like physical restriction. Your body's basically saying, uh, I'm taking the wheel. You're not feeding me enough. It's going to feel like you've lost control, but we're going to eat right now. So yeah. that's how I think about binge eating. 
Yes. Yes. And I think something I also tell people is someone that's clinically diagnosed with BED or binge eating disorder, a lot of times they might often black out and not even know when things happen, right. Or when this happens, right. So it's something that is not the, like what everybody throws around, like binge eating, which you and I talk about binge eating, right. Because it's such a word that people use. And when we're trying to reach clients, we talk about it because people oftentimes say, well, I'm such a binge eater. I'm such an emotional eater, but I really, I really want to differentiate it. (laughs) Here we are talking over each other. We're just excited. Binge eating <laughs> does not mean like eating a forbidden food. I think a lot yeah. of times like people yeah. look at you and be like, oh, I binge ate. Like the, this is not what it is. So binge eating is a, is an occurrence that can happen with a diagnosis of BED, binge eating mm-hmm. disorder, or sometimes in chronic dieters, we see this happen because of the restrict mindset. Emotional eating is a learned response to feelings you have. So this exists because over time, food felt rewarding in the context of the emotion. So for like some people, it's positive emotions. Like if I'm in a party and I'm celebrating and I'm vibing and I'm having a good time, I'm going to use food to keep that good feeling up. I'm going to keep it going. Other people have the feeling of like, oh, I feel really down or anxious. The food immediately soothes me. And so that's a bit more behavioral. Mm-hmm. And it requires a different skill set than just saying, oh, I give myself permission to eat to really tackle that style of eating. Yeah. So yeah. what do you think? Do you think yeah, so? I, I think so. I often talk about how like food is memory and how like you can be having a shitty ass day and you will be craving a specific food. And when you think about it, if you, if you get down to the nitty gritty, you can always connect a feeling to that food. So oftentimes, you know, I'll talk about Sankocho and my, my connection to it when I'm having a rough day or it's cold outside or it's raining, like I crave Sankocho, which is like a soup with tons of root vegetables and meat and like corn and dumplings. It's amazing. And I have this connection to it because my abuela would make it and my mom makes it. And it's such a comforting food. And when I'm having a rough ass day, I want to feel comfort. And I remember that comfort from those scenarios that I had interacting with my abuela or with my mom and my body and my brain crave that. And there's nothing wrong with me having sancocho when I'm having a rough day or it's cold or it's raining in order to make me feel good because I have that particular dish associated with comfort. Right. And we need to detach ourselves from this idea that it's bad because it's not, it's actually helping me reduce stress. It's actually helping my parasympathetic system feel better when I eat the sancocho. (laughs) Well, you're bringing up a huge point, which is that even though binge eating and emotional eating are separate, sometimes Mm -hmm. the emotional eating can trigger guilt that then Mm -hmm. it's more of like a binge style eating. Like it's almost like you're generating these negative emotions because of the diet mindset, which then you got to resolve. So it becomes like a snowball rolling down a hill, getting bigger and bigger if you don't know how to differentiate, like what's, what style of eating mm-hmm. and what techniques do I need to use to kind of calm that? Like Delina's explaining here, like, how do you be okay with the fact that one, you're an emotional being, it's okay to feel feels. Yeah. And two, yeah. your choice to soothe those emotions is always valid, no matter what it is. 
you're doing the best you can to make yourself feel better. So I love that. Can I have that soup sometime when I come down to Philly? Yeah. My mom doesn't, it's like, yeah, I want Migalina, like I, she needs to cook for me. Like that is come to Philly. She okay. loves cooking for people. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe it'll be raining. We can get the whole vibe going. Yeah. You can get the whole thing. And then you'll always want Sancocho when it's raining. I don't hate this. I don't hate it at all. <laughs> all right. So why do we emotionally eat? Melissa, like, why does this happen besides that connection? You mean like you and me or like, usted, the world? Nosotros. <laughs> Nosotros, everybody. You know, there's a lot of reasons. I sometimes hear clients lump all the reasons into one by using the mm-hmm. word stress or mm-hmm. anxiety or mm-hmm. I feel bad. Mm-hmm. True. That's how you feel. <laughs> but often not specific enough, you know, like. Yeah stress do we mean like i am all revved up and wound up physically because i've been going going all, going all day mm-hmm. do we mean i feel really disappointed or sad about something that occurred in my life do we mean you know what do we mean that comes back to that labeling piece that we're talking about so depending on what those feelings are i would say that the stress is what people most often describe but i really want to encourage people to think about labeling that more specifically to help them figure out the coping Yep. So I think that stress for sure. And then I also feel like making sure that when we're in these stressful situations that we're actually eating, like actually eating enough, like you were saying, like that's another trigger that I also often hear a lot. And people are like, I'm such an emotional eater. And I'm like, well, (laughs) let's back up here. What happened throughout the day? You were stressed. You weren't paying attention. Then you came home. The stress kind of reduced hunger surfaced showed up and now you feel like you're eating everything but the kitchen sink because you went a full eight to ten hours without eating maybe you had coffee <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't have energy energy is what we need from food and so a lot of people again are so afraid of calories but i like to help you reframe that calories are energy so if you are stressed your body actually needs oftentimes more energy. (laughs) And if you're not giving your body that energy, it can cause quote unquote, a binge or an emotional eating scenario later on when you actually can reduce some of that stress because you're in a safe space. Right. You've got less to work with when you're hungry. And that comes back to basic needs. Like if you're not meeting your basic needs for rest, for, you know, the boundaries and balance that you need in your life for eating enough it's going to make it very difficult to, you know, like use coping skills. I just saw <laughs> something the other day that was like coping skills when you're in emergency mode are not attractive and they're not effective. We always yeah. wait to use our coping skills until there's a 911 emergency yes. emotionally. Oh my God, mind. yes. And what if we could come up with a way of being where we're not missing the mark with this. We're doing the best we can with the lifestyles we have. Delina's holding her burnout book right now. <laughs> Just some things on her mind. Talk about <laughs> on my mind too. And you know, <laughs> with this pandemic as it ebbs and flows, I referenced that we were feeling angry a moment ago and Delina and I won't go into it fully, but this yeah. whole pandemic thing has been difficult. It has been really yeah. difficult. And I think we have normalized it. And we say things to ourselves like, well, I don't have it bad as so-and-so or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, this is how it is. I just have to live with it and it's still impacting you. So yeah. making sure that you're continuously evolving your self-care 
is just so, so important. And that's not within this principle on intuitive eating. That's actually more in the hunger and the self-care principles. Just to remind us it all works together. No, and I think it could, like emotions and dealing with this kindness is also self-care. Like when you bring that compassionate, I feel like self-care can fall into all of them because this is a self-care model. Like this is about caring for yourself. And so that to me is like one of the biggest things that we can do is like care for our bodies and connect with it to understand what it needs, right? And oftentimes that stress, you know, these emotions then cause us to not sleep. <laughs> and when you're not sleeping enough, you're lacking on energy. And I often tell people, if you don't sleep enough and you're lacking on energy, what do you think your body's going to ask you for as an energy? Sure. Right? Like, and, you and need you're agitated, like you're tired. Yeah. See, sometimes people use food as like a pick me up to just kind mm-hmm. of kill or wake them up in some way. <laughs> Brain foods. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just like thinking of like all nighters at the the Dimmond Library at the University of New Hampshire, like just being up late when I was in college and, you know, you would, you would use food to kind of just keep you going. And so many of us, like, especially if you're working, you have kids, you know, some of you are in school, you're, you're volunteers, you're doing all this stuff. Something's got to give here. And it's often your sleep. <laughs> often. So I like finished burnout yesterday And they have like this little like pie chart of like expectations as a woman and like all of the things you're expected to do in 24 hours. It's insane how much we are expected to do. And oftentimes what suffers is sleep because we don't have enough. We think we don't have enough hours in the day to do all these things, but it's because society has told us that we have to do all these things. Well, and I think that's the thing you can hide, right? Like, I have all these perfectionist expectations to perform all these areas in my life. No Mm -hmm. one can really see if I did or did not sleep. So that's a very easy one to let go because I don't have to own the boundary. I don't have to own the fact like, you know what? I'm okay with not being the amazing PTA mom. I'm okay with not working 24 seven. So this can root deeper to your values, Mm -hmm. what you really care about, but just acknowledging it's hard. And in the meanwhile, you don't have to perfect your life to have success with this skill. You can do little baby things, even if you feel like your life overall is imbalanced. Yes. Yes. And so making sure that we're meeting our needs can help us deal with the emotions kindly because it'll help you deal with the stress. It'll help you deal with making sure that you're getting enough to eat and consistently throughout the day and getting variety throughout the day, right? And making sure that you actually have time to wind down and sleep enough. Like these are all things that you can do to improve your health, right? And your relationship with food that have nothing to do with dieting and restricting. And oftentimes that's what the wellness world sells us. Like in order for you to be perfect, you have to do X, Y, Z, but our needs fall to the wayside. This emotional eating falls to the wayside because we're told that we're wrong. When in reality, it can bring us so much comfort. And we're told there's only one solution. Like with with the diet world, it's like, um, get your emotions under control, get your cravings Mm -hmm. under control, manage yourself, manage yourself, manage yourself versus like, okay, you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's undermining the, the fact that it is normal 
and beautiful and good and informing to have emotions. How else are we supposed to know? And protective. Right, right. So true. Mm-mm. Let's talk a little bit about like what tools we have to neutralize emotional eating, right? Like how can we focus on dealing with emotions and not numbing them, which I think, right, that diet culture pretty much tells us to like push down, don't Don't feel, feel Elsa style, right? Like, you know, referencing Frozen, like, yo, we watch it. (laughs) Listeners at home, like if this were some sort of drinking game, we would not be okay. (laughs) I do talk about Elsa's feelings a lot. Man, I mean, like Elsa, you know, she she had a lot to deal with. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> so true. Arendelle was on her shoulders. It was a tough, it was a tough moment for her. <laughs> a tough moment for her. Yes. Um, so yeah, how can we just like focus on neutralizing the emotions and also dealing with them and not necessarily numbing, which is what I feel like we so often do. Uh, I want to almost replace the word dealing with responding because Ooh, I like it. Dealing feels like managing again. Like mm. I feel like accepting yourself is part of this work. And I struggle with this a lot. Like whenever I kind of get annoyed with some situation or some person or something, or I feel down, I can hear myself talk, be like, you shouldn't feel like this. You shouldn't. Mm-hmm. The shouldn't. It comes the back to that kind of like toxic positivity and perfectionism where like good women, happy women are always <laughs> smiling and positive <laughs> and flexible and pliable <laughs> and they don't get mad. And, and it, you know what? Women are people and people feel things. Judging your emotions and, and expecting yourself never to have them, I think is is doing a disservice to a lot of us. And so my whole thing is if I can give people one way to avoid numbing and really getting into those modes is to say, you know what? I kind of welcome the emotion. They pass. I want to, I want to know who's in the room when I'm, I'm experiencing these things. There's this really beautiful poem by Rumi. It's called the guest. And I don't, I can't quote the poem. Please don't make me, it'll make me look like a, let's link it. I want to read it. I will send it to you. The spirit of the poem is basically like emotions are like guests. They come in rather Mm -hmm. than fighting them, pull up a chair, (laughs) welcome them to the table. Like, because you're adding a second layer of suffering when you fight the way that you feel. Yes. Yes. Beautiful poem. uh, Crying. Crying helps a lot too. Melissa knows I'm a crier. My cancer. (laughs) My cancer star sign. Big feels. I feel a lot, everyone. <laughs> you, you you always joke about it, but I, that's something I really admire about you because what happens with you, which I see, like you feel it big, it passes, and then you're able to pick yourself up and move forward. And I think that's what makes you a great mom and a great entrepreneur and a great coach. You have that ability, Delina. So I'm taking a note from your book because I I told you I tamp it down too much and I practice very well. <laughs> I'm telling you. So if you think of yourself as an emotional eater who tends to numb around food, my mm-hmm. thing to you is like, that's okay. You're yeah. good. You are good. Yeah. And the You're more good. you listen and respond, the better yeah. this will be. Yeah. And, and listening and saying, listen, if I eat this food, if I'm going to sit here and have this food, is it actually going to make me feel better? Or am I going to have a stomach ache? Want to poop my pants later? Like, you know what I mean? Because I oftentimes hear, 
I ate it, but it didn't help me. Yeah. So I'm like, then why did you do it? Right. Cause we need yeah. to have other tools. Right. So what happens with the food is that we eat it because it makes us feel good or we think it's going to make us feel good, but there's times where it doesn't, where it actually makes us feel crappier. So yeah. this is where we also have to use some other of our tools where it's eating with that intention and connection, which I feel like I've said in every single episode of this intuitive eating series and saying to ourselves, do I need to have this whole thing of ice cream right now? Or will one, two, three, four, five scoops help? Like, do I need to sit down and gloss over the scenario, not deal with what's happening, right? Not pull up a chair and let the feelings come through. Do I really need to like make myself feel crappier with this food or can I do something else? And this is where other tools come into play of either you can use the food with coping and pulling up the chair, right? And like make actually, it nice. If you're going to do the yeah, food, make it, make yeah, it nice. yeah, make it nice. Yeah, you know, make it feel good. Yeah. Don't have no shame or guilt after. Let it do its job. Let it help you feel better. Yeah. <laughs> but don't get yourself a stomach ache or the shits. You don't want that. And if that happens, you know, like the it's learning okay. mindset, that's, that's when, when we had Elise on and she's talking about the, the healing spiral, like yeah. in the beginning, you may not, it's not like a light switch. You're not going to be able to be yeah. like, okay, I, I used to eat the whole carton. Now I'm eating. Yeah. No, I won't have it at all. No, yeah, no. you have no. to go through some of these experiences. And this is yeah. where like community and coaching can be helpful because you have yeah. a space to actually process it and learn exactly. from it rather than keep being like, why am I like this? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love that you brought that up because I never want you to judge yourself for doing it. This is a learning opportunity. We learn, we evolve, we grow. Like, hello. You do, and you might have to do it multiple times for it to finally be like, yo, this shit actually hurts my stomach. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it anymore. Like you might have to go through that process a few times to be like, oh crap, you know, this is why my stomach hurts afterwards <laughs> because I'm not eating with connection. I'm actually just numbing. And so having those tools in place is super important. And also remembering that you also have to, you know, make sure that you're meeting all of your needs so that again, you don't end up in this spiral of numbing and quote unquote binging. Like there's so many things that we have to kind of like bring up in this, in this conversation about tools and yeah. And you just kind of like learn. So do you have any tools that you kind of, you know, besides food that you, you have your clients think about and do? It depends on what emotion they're finding, you know, like some people do like journaling. Some people do not, do not suggest that. I have more so found journaling helpful for me, but truly, yeah. personally speaking, that's not my go-to. Um, yeah. How I like to feel process. Yeah. A lot of my clients actually work on support as a coping tool. So that might mean letting their partner into how they're feeling a little bit sooner than later. It might mean coming into the community board and sharing a frustration with people who are going through this, being a little bit faster at letting people in and being vulnerable with what you're feeling is one coping tool. I mean, the list can go on and, you know, there are a lot of different things to choose from, but I think it ultimately links to like what you're feeling and what you think works for that feeling. Cause it will be different than what I think works. Yes, 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 yes. One of my favorite things that they talk about in burnout is like the 20 second hug, which I had heard of as like the heartbeat hug for kids. So when, when my kids are having a temper tantrum, I will just like hug them 
And like your heartbeat kind of like helps their heartbeat regulate again. And it's called like a heartbeat hug. And when babies are super, super small, like infants, if you like keep them in a diaper and then just like put them like skin to skin, that also helps. So like, I always knew about this for children. I never thought about it for adults. And in burnout, they talk about this 20 second hug. And again, it's the same kind of idea. It helps you regulate again because we are creatures that need connection, right? And having that connection helps you deal with whatever emotion is happening and also kind of like break the stress cycle that that emotion is. Physiological stress. Physiological stress, yeah. Totally. And grounding techniques are another thing that clients sometimes might use. You know, this can intersect with your therapy. If you're in therapy, or maybe you've learned stuff in the past, a lot of times as coaches, we're not prescribing those things, but we might prompt you to say, okay, like what works and help you to be consistent using that stuff if you're if you're kind of shying away for some reason or another. Yes, yeah. So there's a lot of things that you can do. And this is why, you know, intuitive eating and therapy go so well because it is a lot of that turning inward <laughs> yeah. Um, instead of always trying to get outside. Reacting. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So listen, today we kind of like ripped this bandaid off of emotional eating. Went there. Right. We went there. Right. And um, I'm sure that my Instagram, you know, if any trolls are listening to this, it's probably going to blow up because they love to come at me for this. But It's really like a super sticky topic, right? Like social media lacks all of this nuance around it. Like you said, weight loss programs even kind of like utilize it as a way of like helping you not emotionally eat and crave food anymore. And we kind of need to like get away from it. And I think we did a good job today at discussing what it means, right? From a very inward kind of way, like not so much wellness diet culture way, why we do it, the difference between like what a binge and emotional eating is, and maybe some tools to help you navigate these emotions. Do you think I missed anything? I don't think so. Um, One thing I want to say is that this is big work and I don't want anyone to leave this episode feeling like, oh, that's scary. (laughs) We have outlined for you what often takes clients three to six months to really Mm -hmm understand, to really break down into small parts, step by step by step. And so with a lot of these episodes, we're trying to prompt you to pick one thing that you really like that just seemed to click with you from the episode and just try that one thing. Resist getting into black and white mindset with these episodes where it's like, I either do exactly what they just said perfectly or not at all. Like, even if it's just, you know what? Yeah, I could probably take a pause next time before choosing food or the next time I choose food, I'm not going to beat myself up. Try that stuff. Tell us how it's going out there. Start small, just get started. Yes, just get started and remember the nuance. Mm -hmm. The nuance. Oh, thank you for leading this today. I feel like I've got some some reflections for after the episode on my own emotional coping. Yeah, so anyway. I might have to cry a little bit tonight. Okay, so. I'm here for that. Let it all out. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that was today's episode. If you'd love to leave us a review wherever you found us, please, please, please do so. We love to help other women like you looking to heal their relationship with food find our show. I feel like one part embarrassed and one part excited when people are like, I was listening to the pod. I forget that like 
we're, we're not just you and me having these conversations. Yeah. It's really, really nice to know that we're building a community. We've watched the audience grow over, it's almost been a year that we've been doing this, Delina. No, it's been more than a year. Melissa, we started last May. Oh my God. Oh, and maybe we released it in June. We started for yeah, recording in right. May. You're right. Anyhow, as you can imagine, our community has grown. The Break the Diet Cycle community has grown over, over this year plus. And so we just want to thank you for being here, for being who you are. And until next time, we will see you on Instagram. Yes. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle.